Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Hello, this is Pod on the Tyne. I am Taylor Payne. I'm outside Wembley Stadium on Wembley Way right now, soaking up the atmosphere, soaking up the sights and sounds. It's uh, it's an amazing, emotional day. There's so many black and white shirts everywhere. It's absolutely incredible to see. I can't believe that I'm here. It's taken so long to get to this point. We're going to be talking to you after the game, directly after. We've got a few things to do beforehand as well. Uh, oh, my God. I don't... <laughs> The emotion is just too much. It's too much to take. Hopefully Newcastle United can do it. This is it. This is what we've been waiting for all this time. Anyway, here we go. How are the lads? Uh, my name's Anne Ball. I came down on Thursday and we came by coach from Durham to Victoria Coach Station and then we stayed in Covent Garden. We're ready for a great game this afternoon. So you've been here for three days already. Did you go to Trafalgar Square last night or was that a bit... We did go but we were a bit early. We left a little bit before it all started so we missed... uh, We missed that but my nephew was there. They were there till early hours this morning enjoyed Sam Fender <laughs> and the other oh, saxophonist yeah have you been to a cup final with Newcastle before 1998 against Arsenal beat near 25 years ago but we had a fabulous day the Arsenal fans were wonderful like Arsenal ever you know the fans were so good with it you know we were all good and uh, we had a fabulous day we loved every minute of it hence this is the first time back we didn't get here in 99 against Man U. So. How much of a chance do you think we've got today? Doesn't matter. We're here. Win, lose or draw. <laughs> and it's just great. We'll be happy. I think they've done, this year, these players have done us absolutely proud. Every single one of them. So we are happy to be here. Might be our lucky year. And if it is, we'll be delighted. If it's not to be, we'll still be delighted that we got here. That's our opinion anyway. I take my hat off because the damn thing's coming off anyway. <laughs> Please get the safety reminder. Do not stop uh, at the top of the stairs. Please do not stop at the top of the stairs. Ollie Hawkins. Ollie Hawkins. Ollie, how are you doing? You alright? Bit nervous, bit excited, but it's a one-off this, isn't it? Honestly, like it's uh, 
just chatting to my dad there. The last time we got to a final was what, 24 years ago. I was five, so. so. Oh, it's unbelievable. Where, when did you get here? Were you down here last night for Trafalgar Square and all that? I was here for Trafalgar Square, yeah. We got here about yesterday afternoon, got in the hotel and went straight over to Trafalgar, so. That was just class to see what we've been waiting for for years, really, isn't it? Just that whole city coming together in Lon- into London and taking it over, really, didn't we? It feels like the entire city's here, to be honest. Where I, where I live up in, in South Tyneside, there was just nobody on the streets yesterday when I was walking around. It, it feels like everyone's just jumped on a bus, in a car, on a train and just came here. Uh, it's absolutely ridiculous. What's your, uh, what's your feelings? What's your thoughts for today? <sighs> to be honest with you, I know Man United are probably the most informed team in the country at the minute, but I think... We've proven all season. We've lost what we've lost twice all season. So I mean, there's Man United fans who will come here believing they're the favourites, and they are. But we've got every reason to believe we can beat them. So yeah, fingers crossed there. Eh? Nice one. Cheers, Ollie. Thanks a lot, mate. Enjoy. Yes, and you, mate. Cheers. So we're here on Wembley Way with someone who Newcastle fans will know very well, Derek Wright, who was the physiotherapist at the club for a long, long time. Uh, and he's been here for finals in the past, which have not been quite as, as positive when he's been there. But now, Derek, you're here as a fan. How are you feeling ahead of this one? Um, confident, I think. No, I've, I'm really looking forward to it, I think, now that the, the time has come. So uh, excited, actually. And in terms of the game itself, what would it be like for you not being on the touchline here? Have you experienced being in the crowd at Wembley before? Um, no, it, it, it's, it is bizarre, really, for me. But I'm here with my family, so it's, uh, it's, it's, I'm pleased for them and excited for them. But it, it's, it's strange for me. I mean, I'm, I've spent so long down in the, the dugout area. It's, it's strange actually watching the game from the stands now. And in terms of the sights and sounds of, of London this weekend, what's that been like for you seeing the sea of black and white throughout? Yeah, we 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 took the boys last night to Trafalgar Square, so that was <laughs> that was that was great. I must say, it was quite emotional actually. The whole thing, I'm I'm finding quite emotional really. And I am going to push you score prediction, please. Two 0 to us. I'll definitely take that. Thank you very much, Derek. Mark Lightly and I'm originally from Bedlington in the northeast but I've been living in Dallas Texas for the last 15 years so flew home Friday to uh, be with my family and we all traveled down yesterday to the game and here till Wednesday and fly back to the States so now I can't tell exactly how old you are we have you been to a cup final with Newcastle before I haven't so that I was just telling another guy that we're at the semi-final it was a Chelsea in I think 2000 we got to that one we didn't get tickets for the 98 and 99 but uh, season ticket all is all our life and uh, I always said you know I've, I've been in the States for about 15 years now I always said we make the final I'm gonna do it and thankfully my brother over here texted me last week and said I think I've got your ticket well, so jumped on the, the next plane home and uh, yeah can't wait can't wait don't worry about what anyone else thinks. How much does it matter to win today? I mean, I, I've, I've reconciled in my mind. I have just having this experience with my dad and brother and nephew and uncle. It's like the experiences I've got. I'm just, winning it, winning would actually, winning would be everything. But the day of just being here, it, it just means everything. It means everything. And do you think we will win? I do. I'm going to go for 2-1. 
2-1 win. I'm hoping that the legs are a little heavy of there. I mean, like Rashford is the danger man, you know, and you hope that little sneaky injury had the weekend. Hopefully that had, uh, he's carrying a knock. So we'll see. But yeah, 2-1, 2-1. Excellent. Thank you, boys. Hey, really appreciate it. Yeah. It's the cup final, so there's Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hello, uh, this is Taylor Payne. I'm standing currently on Wembley Way looking at the, uh, the magnificent arch with Chris Woff. Here. How are you doing, Chris? Are you all right? How are you feeling? How's your nerves? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for introducing yourself. Was that just for my benefit, or was that for the, or the listeners, I suppose? Yes, so probably. But no, I, I'm very good, thank you. It's been a fantastic weekend already. I was at Trafalgar Square with George, and then I've been here since about midday. And oh, I, I haven't really spotted a Man United shirt yet. Have you seen many? I haven't seen any, no, but they are coming from the local area, aren't they, Chris? <laughs> so they, they'll not be here just yet. Yes, and uh, but it's just, honestly, I. I'd tried to picture it in advance and I still can't quite comprehend how many people are wearing black and white shirts. The City of London on the way down. I mean, I've been staying north near Watford. Everyone coming in was Newcastle fans on the drive down yesterday. There was like busloads of Newcastle fans at service stations. There's thousands here. There was thousands at Trafalgar Square. It's just astonishing. I was speaking to John Anderson before who... I obviously covered both cup finals in 98 and 99 for BBC Newcastle. And he says he thought that was something and he thinks this, this is on another level altogether. Yeah, there's every chance it will be. George called it uh, Newcastle-upon-Thames yesterday, didn't he? Which I thought was rather nice. Uh, it, there's a special atmosphere building there, and it could be a special day for, for Newcastle United. I'm, I'm massively, massively nervous. Uh, I've eaten many ham and peas pudding sandwiches on the way down, which is what you have to do. Have you the, had an alcoholic beverage? I've had, uh, I've had a number of alcoholic beverages. I'm not going to put a number on that. Uh, because it wouldn't be fair to you and it wouldn't be fair to me or the listeners. Uh, but I've had some, shall we say, some alcoholic beverages, and I'm sure that will continue. That's a theme, I think, as the day goes on. Um, so how was Trafalgar Square last night? Anyway, it looked incredible on the uh, on the pictures and on the footage. Yeah, I got there about half five and spent about an hour to begin with, and that was when it was still late and it was wonderful. I think that was probably when there was the most people there. Uh, atmosphere was really, really good. Balls being kicked around, songs being sang, flags, flares, everything. And then I went away and had a, a bite to eat and a drink and then came back a bit later on. Uh, and it was, pre, it was pre all of the rubbish being cleared up, so I'm glad that the people did go back yeah. and do that because at that point I was a bit worried, but great to see so many fans go back and clear it up. And it was a really good atmosphere. I spoke to a few uh, police officers and things there who said that there had been no trouble really all day. So really, really good. And I mean, some of the pictures to come from it, some of the sights and sounds were, were absolutely wonderful. And I just hope that the weekend has the happy ending to go with it as well. Absolutely. Can I just say, Chris, you're talking really fast. and But it's, I like it. I'm on board. You seem very excited. Are you okay? Is it nice to be out of the house, Chris? It's the adrenaline. I just can't. I can't. I can't even. I can't even. It's. It's weird. Like I was chatting earlier because I've come down with some. Some of my family are here, and like people keep asking me every time I bumped into people on air. I sort of Wembley way. They're like, "Oh, how are you feeling about the game?" And it's like. I haven't actually really ha- been able to consider the match and I know that's terrible because I'm a professional journalist and my job too yeah. but it's like it's almost difficult to think about the match itself because of everything that's around it and sort of the build up to it so 
the actual 90 minutes I could or 120 whatever it could be I couldn't tell you necessarily how that's going to unfold or where all the tactical battles are but just the whole weekend and what it means to everyone yes I have adrenaline and if I'm speaking 100 miles an hour I don't apologize <laughs> You don't have to, Chris. You honestly don't have to. My nerves have been shredded since about four o'clock yesterday afternoon, I have to be honest. And I can't wait to get in there and, and just see all of the all of the mags with you know all the black and white shirts, all the flags, the scarves, everything. I'm absolutely buzzing for this. It's been this has been my entire life waiting for this. You know, this is a really special day and a special moment and hopefully not the not the last one for a long time. They'll be the first of many to come, you know. Um, this place is going to be like the last days of Rome if Newcastle win, isn't it? Yes, and I think, well, I think all the way down the A1 and M1 will be as well. The whole of the northeast will be in lockdown and then all the way down to here. It was, it was fascinating. On Tuesday, Newcastle had a media day and we spoke to, to several of the players, one of whom was Kieran Trippier. And he was asked about what it would be like if Newcastle won. And he said, honestly, he said, he said I, I think that they will have to impose lockdown on the city again because that's, <laughs> that's what it'll be like. He's just, you could see how excited all the players are. I mean, they're staying just around the corner there, the Hilton. You could see them come on up on the, on the uh, balcony before to try and soak oh, it up as well. They're, they're, they're trying to soak it all up. And it's, 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 it's brilliant in that sense. But that's yeah. also, and I said this in a piece in the Athletic, my trepidation, I think, for this weekend is do Newcastle cope with the occasion for Man United a lot of their players have been in these big games before yes Newcastle have Trippier and a couple of others who have been but Man United this is not the occasion it is for Newcastle I hope it inspires rather than sort of constricts but until the kickoff, I don't think anyone can say whether it will or not absolutely not I think that first 20 minutes is going to be a key period in the game it's going to be absolutely manic I think the adrenaline is going to be pumping you've got to hope that people keep their heads no silly tackles go flying in it's a long game of football this and it's extra time and penalties at the end if it if it's nil-nil or 1-1 at the end or 2-2 or whatever um, it's going to be a difficult afternoon I think for Newcastle United Man United are, are a decent team they've picked up form they've got good players um, Ten Hag's gotten them playing in a, in a certain way and they play well um, and they're not going to they're not going to roll over put it that way it's going to be a difficult game um, I'm worried a little bit about the form coming into this because you would imagine that that's a big part in mentality everything going into the game the form plays a huge factor doesn't it and Newcastle haven't won a game for a little while so it's it's got to be played in the back of their minds it must be and I think you saw that with Man United on Thursday that even when they had a difficult first half they made changes and had the belief they were going to come back and win so I think for Newcastle to start well is key I think that when you consider the Newcastle side, Carrius and Goal needs a good start. Yeah. The defence and him need to get to know each other early on. Yeah. Early and the ball. <laughs> exactly. So, but this Newcastle team have, have, have achieved more than we expected. They've gone above and beyond all season. Whenever you think this is their level, they, they, they just have dumbfounded you and, and gone further. So I, I don't doubt that Newcastle can raise their level if needed. I just hope that they do find that today. I have full faith in Eddie Howe, whatever team he selects, and the game itself. And my prediction all week has been that my head says it's probably Man United's favourite but I'm going to go with my heart which is 1-1 draw after normal time 2-1 win after extra time Vinicius. oh my god Chris my heart and my arse can't possibly take that kind of pressure that is ridiculous 2-1 after extra time I think it's going to be that kind of day I think it's definitely going to be that kind of day anyway Chris Woff, thank you very much. Enjoy. I shall see you on the other side. Thank you. Enjoy too. And uh, yes, I shall see you in a sea of black and white, hopefully in celebration rather than in drowning sorrows afterwards. How are the lads? Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So that's it, Chris Woff. We are stood out on Wembley Way again after the end of the Carabao Cup final. Newcastle United lost 2-0 to Manchester United on the day. How do we feel? It's not a proper trophy anyway, so not really bad. I mean, <laughs> doesn't, it, nobody wanted to win it, did they? I mean, what, what is the Carabao Cup? It's nothing. They're not even bothered. Have you looked at them? Oh, I know. That, that's what annoys you even more, doesn't it, in terms of... I mean, we're stood here and we're looking up at the Wembley Arch, which is now covered in red. It would have been black and white had, had Newcastle United triumphed. Obviously, that was not the case. And I'll be honest, that my main emotion at the moment is still one of pride in the weekend in general. I think the way that Newcastle fans have conducted themselves, the way that they've come down to London in their tens of thousands, if not possibly hundreds of thousands and thrown their support behind the city the club what they're trying to achieve the final I mean we're going to the very end of the game but the the, the 
to see an injury time, to see the flags, flags waving, yep. black and white flags waving, it almost as an, an act of defiance. The pride and the way that they clapped off the players and coaching staff that is my overriding emotion right now which is difficult because I know that really everyone's just thinking come to Wembley they've lost again another year without a trophy but I still think that in some ways this one felt different and and, and the, it feels like hopefully that the Newcastle United are going to come again so that that's my overriding emotion right now yeah same I mean I'm, I'm completely good about the result as you know as any as everybody is but um it, it feels just like the start to me and it feels like this is this is only the beginning and there's going to be plenty more of this and we have to get used to that now there's so much opportunity here and so much hope that it doesn't feel like the way it used to I genuinely thought today was a bit of a free hit I thought we could come and we could just have a go and, and, and see what happened you know the odds were stacked against us from the start we lost Nick Pope and you get two goals past you in the first half and it's 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 a really difficult task after that, isn't it? I mean, the first half was strange because I thought Newcastle again started reasonably well, but the story really of this game in, in the last four or five weeks is that they're getting openings but not creating clear-cut chances or not being clinical enough when, when they arrive, and they are now shipping soft goals in some ways, which is not what they've done most of the season. And uh, I spoke to, to John Anderson, uh, the former Newcastle United player who... who speaks for BBC Newcastle during the week and I spoke to him before the game today as well and what he kept saying to me is my concern is people say oh yeah the league form's gone off but people are focused on the cup but as a player it's very difficult to just switch the tap back on and Man United came into this game and formed Newcastle didn't and Man United took their chances the first goal the free kick's debatable I think it's a soft free kick but and it, Casemiro's borderline offside I mean VAR gives it and say he isn't I think it was other Man United players away maybe Trippier was playing him on but Newcastle don't defend a set piece again, which they haven't over the last few weeks and hadn't been an issue until a few weeks ago. Then the second goal is unfortunate in terms of the way that it comes off Botman and then flies up over Carriers. But the way, the part of the reason why that opening came about was because Marcus Rashford stretched Newcastle's defence queue and Trippier dropped deep to try and cover it. And you've seen in the last two games that sides are now trying to exploit that high line. And so suddenly chinks are starting to appear in Newcastle's armour. They just never really recovered. The, the very f- first minute, Almiron goes through through the middle, and, and you think and just play a wonderful pass here, and he, and he passes it basically to the one area he, caught, he shouldn't, and that's a Man United player. And that just summed Newcastle up. They didn't have enough clear-cut chances. Take away San Maximan, forcing a really good save from De Gea. Wilson wasn't in the game at all. It was a big call to play him, and it just didn't work. Unfortunately, he's just not in form. Isak came on, and him and Sam Maximan stretched the defence second half. But it's still, it's that final ball, and Newcastle are just lacking something in the final third. And that was the overriding thoughts from, from Eddie Howe after the game as well, that in both boxes, Newcastle just aren't at it right now. Yeah, let's hear a little bit from Eddie Howe uh, on, the, uh, on the game. Here we go. Actually disappointed. Um, pleased with how we played. I thought we were really good between both boxes today. But in the boxes is where games are won or lost. And I think today we didn't get the, the big moments right defensively. And with the chances we did have, we weren't clinical enough and probably didn't create enough for all the ball we had around their box. As I sit here now, I've got no regrets with you know, how we tried to set the team up, our intent to the game. We wanted to be really brave as we have been all season and, and try and attack the match and have a right go at Manchester United. It's a strange game because probably low on goalmouth action for periods of it, but I felt we were really competitive. I can't fault the players' efforts, what they've given me in this game. But it's decided on big moments and the free kick, we've, we've not defended it well enough and uh, they're probably the moments we look at with regret. 
Yeah, Chris, the creativity was really something that was uh, it was a difficult thing to watch in the game. There wasn't really an awful lot of chances. We didn't really test it here. Um, the, the Man United back four looked pretty comfortable, didn't they? They did, although it, it, it's almost like that final 5%, which is what you need at this very level. Newcastle just don't have right now. They, they, they did certainly second half get in behind. Isak was carrying the ball well, but then it was almost like he held on for it for too long and Sam Maxman did it at times. And they're just lacking a bit of a, a bit of a cutting edge. Wilson didn't really ever get in a goal-scoring position. Trippier puts in some good deliveries or some decent deliveries, but there aren't the players to meet them. Otherwise, Dan Byrne had a very good chance first half again. Newcastle didn't take it. And it's about those small margins. Man United, second half, until the last 15 minutes when the game was really stretched, didn't really offer any sort of a threat, but they managed to contain Newcastle. They, they managed to, to frustrate them. Uh, I thought that Newcastle actually really missed Joe Willock's legs in midfield, someone who could carry the ball. You could see when Sam Maximan and Isak drove with it, it worked well. And when Will Willock came on, he sort of offered a little bit of something. And, and maybe from the start, that's that's what they lacked. He, he hooked Sean Longstaff at half-time, uh, how, which he said was tactical, and I felt from a little bit, but he tried to change that 4-2-3-1. I'm intrigued to see whether we see more of that going forward in the next few weeks to try and get Isak and Wilson into the same team. But at the minute, I, I'm sort of more thinking that it has to be one or the other because I do think that, that they lacked a little something in midfield at times. Casemiro, after 10-15 minutes of Joe Linton and, and Bruno doing really well, I thought Casemiro took control first half and he was sort of the difference in, in some ways. And so there's going to be a lot of bones to pick through in this and Eddie Howe will look at it with his coaching staff and try to work out how Newcastle pick up the rest of the season because as I'm about to write about just after this is that this doesn't have to be the end of Newcastle's season. They still have so much, they've achieved so much already to even be in this position, to have got to this stage of the season and be in the top five and, and in the Carabao Cup final. They can still go on and secure European football. They may even go on and secure Champions League football, but they need to sort out those very fine margins at either end of the pitch to make sure they do. Absolutely, Chris. Yes, 100%. I agree with that. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Um, let's hear a little bit from Dan Byrne before we continue. Uh, we'll be back in just a tick. Yeah, gutted. Uh, yeah, gutted for the lads, staff, gutted for for Newcastle. Uh, I thought we started really well uh, and then conceded two goals. A month ago, two goals down in a game like this, it's always hard to get in. But uh, yeah, I thought, we, I thought we played pretty well. Just didn't take the chances when we had them and they did. But obviously, we don't usually concede from a set piece, especially uh, a wide free kick, so I was disappointing with that. Um, and then yeah we've got a deflection for the second one so just a bit unlucky nothing seemed to really drop for in the box and it did for them and yeah they've uh, yeah they've won and also Dan Byrne in his interviews referenced 
the letters which we put together for The Athletic where we approached family members or influential coaches uh, for basically every starting player and quite a few of the substitutes as well, all of the Geordies involved, all those with emotional stories including Nick Pope, uh, his, his dad spoke about him not being available for the final, Dan Burns' dad started off very emotional letter, Loris Carrius' girlfriend talks about the journey that he's been on and, and there's, it's a tearjerker and I know a lot of people said that and referenced that but it was, it, was, it was a beautiful moment and the players did share them around over breakfast before the final and Dan Byrne references uh, that article today. I have to say though Chris, after listening to Dan speaking there and also just after watching the game, the, the overriding feeling today has got to be one of pride hasn't it? It's got to be, um, there's positives here, there is absolutely positives here to take. It's a, it's a club which has momentum behind it and I, I think that these scenes will, will continue. It's not going to be easy that for Newcastle to go on try and replicate Man City or do things like that because of the, there is already a Man City and there are already clubs who are in those sorts of positions and there's other clubs who are getting money. Man United could yet get Qatari money and that may make things more difficult. Liverpool, you'd, I know they said they're not going to sell now but they could get investment but the, the ambition is there and Yasser Romain was here again today and PIF insists that they want to take Newcastle on. Eddie Howe knows that he needs to, to keep improving the side. For a start, a player who wasn't available today who will be presumably in the team at Man City next week, I would have thought he'd get an opportunity, is Anthony Gordon and we can see what he can bring in his cameos so far. He's brought something a little bit different. Can he add a little bit more creativity, that final product that Newcastle are lacking? I hope so and there should be pride that this... Howe said that, that he was asked about going up and receiving the sort of runners-up medal and he, and he said in that moment you feel like you failed. Mm. I don't want to see this as a failure for Newcastle United. I don't think it should just be seen as a failure for Newcastle United. Yes, they've lost today. They haven't collected the trophy that everyone wants but nobody or very few people at the start of the season expected them to be here today and to be three weeks ago going into this game basically as equals or Man United. Things have unravelled a little bit the last couple of weeks but there's no reason why they can't get back on a straight and narrow and make sure that they finish the season strongly. It's a real indication of just how far we've come isn't it Chris? Let's be honest it's from 18 months ago I mean who amongst us would have said that we'd be stood here on Wembley Way after having seen Newcastle compete in the Carabao Cup final? I, I, I still can't quite believe it. I'm pinching myself every five minutes just to make sure that this is all real. It completely feels like a dream. Um, you have to say the club's going in the right direction and, and you can only hope that it continues. Um, they're, they're making canny signings in the transfer windows. You know They want to develop the club behind the scenes as well. This is just the start, isn't it? Newcastle have got so far to go compared to where we were. It's It's... It's just the beginning. It is, and there are still areas of the team that need to be improved. Eddie Howe spoke about that after the game as well. He said, we know the areas, that we're not going to panic just on the back of this match. We, we, we analyse every week and we know where we need to add quality. And that there, there are still areas of the team that lack quality, but they, they intend over the course of the next few windows to keep trying to address that. And if they do, then I see no reason why Newcastle can't hopefully next season be back in the latter stages of, of, of competitions and, and competing in Europe, maybe even trying to get far in, in a European competition if they do succeed to it. So we're trying to pick the positives out of what is a very difficult day and, yeah. and I think it's right to do that in many ways, but we also have to acknowledge that this, this felt like an opportunity and maybe it's an opportunity missed. It's just come at the wrong point in the season. If it had been a month ago, I think Newcastle would have come out here as, as champions today, but they unfortunately... A month on, Man United are the club who are in form, 
they picked up from that. They've got the striker who just, I, I know it counts as a bottom own goal, but it essentially was a Rashford goal. He, he stretches them, he gets through. Yeah. And that was the difference that, that at either end of the pitch, they just had a little bit more. Although I want to say that I thought Loris Carriers did pretty well. I was actually just about to say that as well. I, th- I thought con- considering the um, all of the fraught nature of the uh, of, of going into this game with losing Nick Pope, I thought Carries carried himself really well, and he made a couple of really good saves, didn't he? And he didn't look like he was overawed by the occasion or anything like that. He looked like he was quite comfortable. Obviously, nasty deflection for the the Rashford slash Botman goal. Um, not an awful lot he can do about the first one, but. You know, we can't blame the lad. He's came in, he's done a job, he's he's had to do it. We'd all have preferred Nick Pope to be there, but you've just got to just got to go with what you've got on the day, haven't you? Yeah, Nick Pope got Newcastle to the final essentially, and then Loris Carius has, has, has come in, hasn't played a match, and it'll be two years on Tuesday since he last played a competitive game, and yet uh, the, he got a touch within the first twenty seconds, which I think was important, yeah. and then within a few minutes of the of the match, he'd also claimed a couple of crosses, and he, he did make a couple of saves. His first save, couple of saves were comfortable, which I think was good for him. But in the second half, when the game was stretched, he had to make a couple of of important blocks. This may be his only Newcastle United appearance. We, we may not see him again. Don't know what's going to happen beyond the end of the season. But it wasn't Loris Carriers' fault that Newcastle didn't win today. It wasn't Nick Pope not being in goal. That, that wasn't the reason why Newcastle didn't win today. It was small margins at both ends of the pitch, mainly to do with uh, not defending set-piece as well and not actually providing the final ball when they needed to when they were the opposition third. Absolutely. Well, uh, let's wrap things up, Chris. Have we got any final thoughts just before we uh, before we wrap things up and, and say goodbye? Well, it's been a very emotional week and uh, a very emotionally charged week for, for everyone associated with the club, but I think uh, particularly so for, for our colleague George Colkin, who you will have noticed hasn't been on this podcast. He was at Wembley today and he, he was very emotional. Basically, uh, I know that we've all heard about his, his stepdad, Gordon, who during COVID uh, was very ill. Unfortunately, he he passed this week uh, as George was down in London, had already come down. And uh, my thoughts, all our thoughts go to, to him and his family at this time. He, and to basically beyond Gordon to absent friends, really. This, this was a cup final where a lot of people arrived here with family members who have either passed or... Uh, couldn't be here for whatever reason and I, and I know that a lot of people have had those in the thoughts so yes thoughts to, to George at the moment I'm going to give him a big hug when I see him in a little bit uh, and I know that everyone who's listening will be will be sending those virtual hugs as well so yes love and uh, strength to George absolutely you have to echo them uh, them sentiments from Chris as well uh, we love you George and uh, all of our thoughts are with you and, uh, and your family at the moment uh, well that's it ladies and gents thank you very much for listening it's been one of those days hasn't it it's been one of those days we'll leave you with some more of the sounds of Wembley thanks to everyone who helped make today a proud occasion even in defeat thanks to Mark and Derek Wright Ollie, Josh and all the Geordies who travelled down and painted London thoroughly black and white thanks to all the players and the staff who showed the fight that we've come to expect from them and thanks to you Chris thanks a lot Uh, and to Jacob as well who couldn't be here and of course thanks a lot to George as well we love you man um, thank you from myself to everybody out there listening. Thank you to everybody who came and said hello today as well and said they enjoyed listening to the podcast. It absolutely meant the world. Uh, this entire thing, this entire day has meant the world. Uh, we shall speak to you very soon. From everybody at Pod on the Time, take care. Goodbye.
The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.